Hey everybody, and welcome to The Void, a show dedicated to filling the void between being an employee and becoming self-employed. Most people refer to starting your own company as taking the leap, as if they're blindly jumping off a cliff and into the unknown. This show is here to help you understand that it doesn't have to be that way. As always, if you like what you're hearing on the show, please do us a favor and help share The Void with somebody else who might also be wanting to start their own company. We saw an opportunity to help others understand that self-employment is well within your reach, and just as our businesses have grown organically and by word of mouth, we want this show to grow the same way. So if you see somebody asking questions about starting their own service-based business, please do us a favor and drop them a link to the show. I'm your host, Mitch Smedley, and with me as always is David Hilton. Mitch. David. What's up, buddy? What up? You know what I've noticed? The more I watch... It's two days after Christmas. Mm-hmm. The more I watch Christmas Vacation, the more I realize you are exactly. Oh, I'm him. The dad. Yeah. You yeah. are Clark Griswold. The, the more you I watch a, it, the you, more I realize he wasn't crazy. Oh no, he's bad crap crazy. <laughs> he's pushed to his edge. Yeah, he's on the edge, <laughs> like on the whole movie. Yeah. You are him. Yeah, it could be. That is you. Yeah, like, I got about the same level of in-laws, right? <laughs> the same with the Grinch. I mean, you hear that? Yeah, I wouldn't say that, but that, yeah, that's. It's Mitch. That's Mitch's personality, his characteristics, his, I mean, it's, it's kind of creepy. Yeah. Like I always just used to think, uh, you know, I'm kind of like, no, I'm not. No, that's Mitch. That's me. Mitch losing his mind. Austin's talking about the Grinch. Have you, have you seen all the videos that pop up where parents are staging somebody dressed like the Grinch to like break into their home with their kids there? To break into their home in front of their children and steal presents out from under the tree and then dart out the door. That's awesome. These kids are like freaking mortified. <laughs> First off, no. Second off, what the fuck is the matter with people? I don't know. Like, can, I, can I say this too? Like, I barely have enough energy just to get all the presents wrapped. Let alone stage this whole like I'm gonna have the Grinch come yeah, over to my a, house. It's and, a yeah. stupid rich person thing yeah. for sure. <laughs> it's gotta be like. Like, like, I'd be nervous. Some so, of them, the kids are holding their presents. Like, they've staged it to where all the kids line up and hold their presents. That's not good. And then the Grinch comes in and swipes it out of their hands, and these kids are just, like, are they little? mortified. Wow. Yeah, yeah, they're, like, five and six. Oh, that's not good. That's not, <laughs> like, if I did, Layla's nine, if I did that to her, we talk about it all the time. Like, what do you do if you get kidnapped? She's like, I put my thumb in their eye till I hear it snap. Yeah. Like, it, she's pretty aggressive. <laughs> like, she, I, so I bought her a bow this year yeah. for Christmas. Like, a real bow. Right. I, she, she knows where the guns yeah. are. It's I not, mean, it's I not a safe not maneuver in the, no, in the Hilton a, household. It's not a safe maneuver in any household. <laughs> you either wreck them for life, mentally, or someone gets hurt bad enough to go to the hospital. Yeah. Well, thing is, I mean, one of those two things is happening, In right? your case, she's almost more lethal than you because you're going to be like, I know the laws and what to do. She's going to come out with a bow and just no. sink one right or into the guy's face. Like she's seen me cut deer open. She runs into the kitchen, yeah. grabs a paring knife, runs out, <laughs> sticks it in the guy's thigh. We're going to gut him and then take him to the train station. Yeah. <laughs> the train station. Yeah. He's going to the train station. Yeah. Like, Dad, <laughs> get the shovel. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. Right. Like those if, people are nuts. Like if a burner comes in your house, you're going to be like, your role is going to be more of like figuring out how to deal with Layla versus the murderer because the murderer's, the, the burglar is going to be like dead. A real, yeah. If <laughs> He's a not real an burglar head. happens, yeah. That dude's dead. Yeah. <laughs> I was calling the cops. Send a bag. Yeah. And a yeah. transport. Right. This mother's dead. He's gone. He's gone. You see now, where... now, I can appreciate the, I, like, have, 
I've seen the joke running around where you wrap empty boxes under the tree. And then when your child misbehaves, you grab it and chuck it into the fire. <laughs> so they can watch their Christmas disappear in front of their eyes. Like, like I can actually appreciate that. I mean, I can appreciate it, but I mean, that's cold. Yeah. That's cold. Yeah. That's real cold. I was about ready to do it this year. Our freaking kids are snoopers. They pretty much discovered everything that they were getting. You need that locked safe room, man. Well, this used to be it. Our podcast room is you where we used to lock it in there. the stoop. Yeah, I can't lock that door. Well, then get a way to lock it. No, I mean, it locks. It totally locks. But if I close that door and lock it, then it sweats really bad. Like, it literally rains inside Put that room. Put a dehumidifier in there. You're a plumber. Get <sighs> some pipes. Drill a hole I'm in the I'm not going. If they want to ruin their own Christmas, let them ruin their own Christmas. I'm not going to those great lakes. Just start telling them, hey, from now on, if I think you're looking next year, nothing. Or yeah. in one year, just be like... I freaking told you. Yeah. Or like, whatever. There's no gifts. Well, what? I thought about hiding all the ones. Like, there are some that I knew they found. Like, 100% knew they found. And I thought about just not even giving it to them this year. Yeah. Like, and so then they're, like, wrapping their gift. Be like, wait a minute. Bring them over to my house. I'll put your shelf up in the barn. This just Mitch's We hit some in the neighbor's garage. So whatever you find, you don't get as a Christmas present. Right. Right. That's true. I guess like unless they... It, you know what you should do is put a camera up. Yeah. Like one of the little microscopic cameras. Yeah. And then like on Christmas morning, be like, okay, so all the ones that you guys found and cheated on, I threw away. Yeah. And then just show them the video. So here's your socks, underwear, and Tic Tacs. Yeah, stuff you didn't find, so Merry Christmas, you shithead. Yeah. I didn't here's learn a to, bag of Skittles. I didn't learn to appreciate grandma's socks until I was in college. I used to hate getting presents from grandma and grandpa. And then in college, when I got socks and boxers. Well, I saw that thing you sent us the other day. It was Spider-Man with half his costume ripped off. Yeah. And the, the meme was like, uh, my underwear. My underwear. <laughs> Watch me buy more camera Watching gear. Watch me buy more camera gear. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. I, I know that. And now I'm questioning his hygiene also. Oh, like, yeah. All at one time. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> Jesus, gives him underwear. Dude, they're nickel. They're five bucks. Yeah, I got 12 more pairs. So we're good. I'm good for a couple of years. <laughs> I mean, I have good underwear. I mean, it's just it's just a meme. Yeah. I have good underwear. Like one pair. These are my Sunday underwear. No, we went out and we spent like $80 on that like a pair of thieves underwear. It's like four pairs of boxers. Or, you know, just like, man. I don't even know what mine costs. I love it. Daniel buys them on Amazon. Like, Can't find them in stores with... anymore. Uh, <laughs> so. What's the matter with you two? All right. Underwear, it's important. Yeah, underwear, shoes, bed. What do you want to talk about today, Mitch? We got three topics. Pick one. Let's see what you got. We are first going to talk about limiting our losses when a win cannot be achieved. Okay. Then we're going to talk about where you get your drive, where you get your motivation, your inspiration. Oh, cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) And lastly, seeing it's the end of the year here, we're going to talk about when to plan for next year. What are you going to start with? Um, I don't know. we just start at the top. All right. Limiting losses. Limiting losses. So we've all been in those situations where you go in with this desired outcome you want to win, right? This episode is brought to you by Field Pulse, the official field service management software provider of The Void. Field Pulse allows you to organize your customers, your employees, your jobs, and your revenue with ease. Field Pulse is the perfect option no matter if you're a business of one or 100, and their plans start at just $99 a month. Check out the link to Field Pulse in the description of this show.
and you start investing time and energy and resources and everything, and then you start to realize, I can't win here. I'm in a no-win situation. So at that moment, you're going to redefine what winning is for that scenario, and a win is going to be limiting your losses to where you're losing as little as possible instead of gaining as much as you hoped to gain. So um, there are plenty of scenarios where this happens on a regular basis. And it could be it could be tons of stuff. You could be talking about one specific job. You could be talking about a building purchase and you wanted to move the company there. You could be talking about... Um, an employee. Yeah, you could be talking about, hey, I hired these two employees and they're going to take me to the next level and it doesn't work out. Right. I mean, when I think of that stuff, I think of like one specific job. You know what I mean? Right. That's kind of where my thought process goes to. Okay, yeah. I've got this job. It's a commercial job. It's going to take me four weeks. I've got my number set. We're going to be done. I'm going to make, these are all BS Mm -hmm. numbers. I'm going to make $10,000 after I pay for everything. And then you get into it and you're two weeks in and you're like, oh shit. Yep. I have completely underbid this. I may have to pull two guys off and finish it myself. Maybe to just to break even. Yep. And if I do break even, I will consider that a win. Yeah. Like that's one example. Another example could be, hey, I I bid fixtures, but I didn't bid sp- specific fixtures. Now I need to pull out what I thought was going to go in there and put something more economical in there to try to make up, you know, any sort of gap. Right. I may have to instead of having three guys, I may just have to ha- let one guy go out there, my all star, and you know, rock it out. Right. It, it, could be a hundred different scenarios, but that's what I think of first when I think of limiting losses and considering it still a win. You know, if everyone makes a paycheck and you don't make money, that is a win a lot of the times when you've screwed up Mm -hmm. or something bad has happened or you missed something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people think winning is like profit or winning is getting to the next level or winning is expansion or, or whatever the case may be. And, and so like, yeah, that's, that's what we all hope it is. But there are a lot of cases where, um, winning might be, uh, minimizing financial loss. So, um, yeah, you know, some real examples here, like that we've experienced here in our company. Um, we grew a lot in, in the asset department this year, um, with, you know, adding a couple more trucks to the fleet and upgrading our trucks to the bigger, larger trucks and the vehicle pricing going sky high. Um, and anytime you add a truck, now you have to get it wrapped and you have to get tools on it and you have to get inventory on it and shelving on it and uh, insurance and, you know, all the things that go on to it. Um, and we're in Missouri where we have to pay sales tax on vehicles. Um, and so, you know, all of those things have significant costs going into it. And so, you know, here we thought we were going to grow a ton this year. And we did grow a ton. Like, we have more trucks on the road right now than we've ever had before. But you look at the bottom line, and we made less money this year than we did last year. Your growth was just in a different area than maybe you thought it was going to be at the beginning of the year, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so... Mm. um, And that's why they call it gross. Your gross earnings were better. Yeah, gross earnings were better. But your net was less net income net income was significantly less yeah so um you know on one hand yeah we're positioned nicely 
and we stacked all of our expenses into this year. Um, we, we held some expenses over until next year, but we stacked most of our expenses into this year to where next year we should grow financially. Um, and, and if you think about it, we could double in financial performance next year and it would still not be all that great because we did not double and like we lost ground this year. So we almost have to double next year just to make up for the down year this year. Um, well, and that, you know, that's perspective too. And next year we may be having the same conversation. You may be saying, Hey, our net went up. Yes. Say it went up 10%, but we put three more guys on the road cause we had to, to yeah. get to that 3%. And that's not a loss. That's just a different perspective on where you thought it was going to go. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it it's kind of, people can make their books look like anything, right? Uh, people can make them, their businesses yeah. sound like anything. They can make their business sound like it's wildly profitable, but it's because they're not paying taxes, right? Or, or maybe their business, they're, they're trying to hide it to make it look like their business makes no money. Yeah. And, and it's because they're trying to avoid paying taxes. Man, we you made know? 1.2 million. I, I made, I took no salary. Yeah, right. You know, it's like, okay. Right. And, and so, uh, and you hear about it all the time about guys, uh, owning aggressive growing businesses and they'll talk about how I didn't take a salary for a year. Well, okay. Yes, you're right. You, you may not have, but it's because the business is supporting you in other ways, right? Like the business is paying for your vehicle. So you didn't need that part of your salary for your vehicle. Yeah. The business is paying for your insurance. So you didn't need salary for your insurance, you know, whatever the case yeah. may be. Um, and yes, there are guys that are, financially stable enough to where they don't have to take a salary from their company and they can divert things all the way back into the company. But, uh, another thing that you hear too, is you'll hear guys on these really aggressive entrepreneurs. They talk about, you know, I had to take out a loan to pay my bills. Well, that doesn't mean they're broke. It means they're stretched so thin that they don't. They had to borrow money. That, that means and that that's they not were, good either. You don't want to be in that situation. Well, it just like on a rapidly growing business like that. That means that they were at a, a low point in their cash flow cycle. Yeah. And um, so, like in the HVAC business, for example, maybe it was, you know, the tail end of winter. And that's a low point in your cash flow cycle. If you know you're not doing a lot of furnaces, you're not yeah. doing anything AC yet. Um, and so maybe they're at a low point in their cash flow cycle and now they're, you know, having to take out a loan to pay all their bills. But then in two months, they've got more money coming in than they know what to do with because ACs are breaking left and right. So, you know, hearing snippets of people's life, you can really, uh, uh, water down your, your impression of how their business is doing. But, you know, for us, it like we recognized early in the year, this is going to be a tough financial year. We're going to grow in personnel and I'm going to stack as many expenses as I can in this year. And we're going to show virtually no profit this year. Um, and, um, but by the end of this year, we are going to be positioned with the assets on the road to go out there and dominate next year. Um, and, and so that's what we're doing. Um, I missed my mark by a little bit because I, we have five trucks now and I don't have five sets of inventory and I don't have five sets of tools. And so uh, I asked my accountant here at the end of the year, I'm like, I need to buy another set of inventory and another set of tools. It's like 
21 to 23,000 dollars for all of that stuff. And my accountant's like, that is definitely not a this year purchase. <laughs> she, <laughs> she's like, in the eye and was like, hey, Mitch, I mean, you're a dipshit. Well, stop. No, we like we have the money you in the bank. Like, like you we need could need that money for next year. Yeah. Well, what she's looking at is she's trying. She knows how we stacked everything this year. She's like, if you don't watch out and you don't have any expenses for next year, you're going to have to pay a boatload in taxes. So she's literally pushing it off until yeah. January 3rd of 23, yeah. just so that all of that $23,000 of expenses can land on 23's taxes yeah. instead of 22's. I so. used to do that all the time. Like if I had a bunch of jobs come in in December, which it always seemed like before Christmas, there was... I mean, I would have two or three, like I'd have two or three full change outs almost mm-hmm. every year. I wouldn't cash any of those checks till January 1. Yeah. I just wouldn't do it. And then I wouldn't enter it into any of my stuff. Yeah. Like, I'm not taking that money. Yeah. And I would tell that it's not illegal no. to wait to cash checks, everyone. Yeah. I would just tell them, I'd tell the customers, like, look, I'm not cashing this for two weeks. Yep. And then, you know, because, and it wasn't so much I was trying to defer it to next year. It was... I knew where I was at mm-hmm. and I was, everything was already set and I was like, I don't want this to be coming down now. So I'll just start it you know, next year. And then when February one rolled around, right. I was reset to where I was and I really could get a better grasp of the goals and what I wanted to do that first part of spring, Yeah, you know, in the HVAC business. Sometimes that first part of spring is, eh, you're not doing a lot. So it kind of gives you a little bit of a natural cushion. Yeah you know, to do what you want to do and not have to stress out until the busy season starts back up. Yeah. I've, I've got a, so, I've got a, a acquaintance of mine that I don't know the exact size of their business. Um, I, I feel like their business is somewhere between, um, like 10 and $12 million a month in revenue, a big business. And, um, and, they, Oh, just 10 and 12 million. Yeah. I'm Mitch. I hang out with a bunch of fucking rollers. <laughs> I said acquaintance, not friend. Uh-huh. Um, but um, he, I, I just watched an online conversation with he and somebody else where he has about $950,000 in checks that he is not depositing until January 3rd. Yeah. So that's um, how you do it. Because if he did, then all of that would like, he's teetering the line of profit, no profit yeah. for what he's showing. Pushes you way and, over. And so, yeah, that's good. That would be, you know, nearly a million dollars in profit to whereas if he deposits them on January 3rd, well then the accountant has a whole nother year to figure out what to do with that. So, yeah. Um, home builders also get it kind of easy there because, um, I don't know the exact lines around that, but they can, um, they can take their deposits from people that people have put down on homes and they can choose to account for that or they can actually file a certain form to where it does yeah. not actually classify as revenue until the house closes. Yeah. And, well, and but, it should because and they get to go either way with it. Yeah. Because houses start late, especially in the winter, start early yep. in the spring. You know, there's just you don't know where that money's going to be. And if they're way over and have to bring another check, yep. it's completely different. Yeah. So you can't, you can't claim something you don't know is going to be a fact. Right. Basically is, is the way they get around that. Yeah. Um, I mean, limiting, we were just kind of big picture stuff there with limiting losses, but limiting losses can also be stuff where like a job goes awry. Um, you could be doing a five or $600 job for somebody and make a mistake and cause a thousand dollars in damage. 
and um, <clears throat> limiting your loss. <laughs> I, th- I mean, I it hate happens. to say it. It happens, it happens in plumbing to, a lot because... It happens to everybody. It, it does. It just happens. It does. I mean, you could be a painter and spill a can of paint on somebody's carpet or something and, you know, holy cow. Yeah, or you get the wrong stuff mixed, even though you have in a text message, this is what I needed, had a brain fart, and then completely painted someone's kitchen the wrong color. I, I know heard, someone that did it. That happened to us. Here's the house? When we built this house, the the builder texted, we texted the builder the paint code that we wanted. And ours, our text was correct. He didn't copy and paste it. He just tried to remember it. And then whenever he texted it to the painter, he got two of the numbers mixed up. Oh, shit. And this is for all of the interior walls in the house. And our, our walls are like light gray. Well, the code that he texted the painters was pink. And like Pepto-Bismol pink. And they went and got their paint and ordered it. And, you know, it kind of runs like they don't really even know what color they're doing. Right. It just shows up to the job. Yeah. yeah, It just shows up to the job. They pour it in the things and go. And they got like almost done painting. And they're like, this, this just isn't right. And so they were texting the builder and calling the builder. And they're like, are you sure this is the right color? And he's like, yeah, that's what they sent me. And they're like, this is pink. They wait until they're almost done. (laughs) Yeah, so I'd, have done, I'd have been getting paid twice. Yeah. We, we, we know the whole time that you're doing it. They're just like, you know, like they were probably thinking you're it like, for a lot oh, longer. We're getting paid uh, twice for this I, house. I, oh, I think what it is, shit. I think oh, what it is, yeah. is probably like the crew was doing it and they don't even care. And like yeah. this, the foreman or somebody shows up and, and they're like, like what, what the, the hell? Uh, and so here's the catch is my builder is colorblind. And so, um, yeah. And so he shows up here. He's like, you got to be kidding me. And they're like, no, we're dead serious. It's pink. And he's like, I'm coming there right now. So he comes here. Yeah, and what was he, he going to do? He can't, brown to me, bro. he can't tell the difference between light pink and gray. It all looks the same to him. And so he's like looking him in the eye and he's like mad. And he's like, I need you to be honest with me. Is this pink or is this gray? <laughs> and so they were like, we're not kidding you. It's pink. And then they realized they got the numbers mixed up, mixed up and everything. And so then he calls me. And he knew I was like stopping by the house every night, um, you know, yeah. to check on DJ, progress. Hey, dude, he's like, like he's like, hey, uh, you may want to stay away for a day. We made a mistake. Going <laughs> to fix it, but I'm just going to tell you that pink is going to make a great primer for your gray walls. <laughs> so I stopped by oh, just man. to take some pictures of it because it was kind of funny. Oh, but shit. but I mean, yeah, you could have losses like that. You could, I mean, there's mm. there's things that can happen, and so. Um, <laughs> where where I see guys go wrong with this on is always on little scale stuff. Guys will dig their heels in. Like let's say a customer, like let's maybe say you and a customer had a disagreement about how much work was going to be done. Customer thought you were going to do, you know, 15 tasks and you thought you were only doing 10 tasks. And so now you get towards the end and the customer's pushing you for these extra five tasks. Um or or whatever amount of work, right? You could dig your heels in. And you could start an argument with the customer and you could do all that. And it's probably going to cost you a customer. And it's probably going to cost you several future customers because now you're going to make that guy so mad that he's going to go, you know, telling everybody and their brother that you tried cheating him or whatever else. Or you could recognize Mm -hmm. that, okay, we've landed in a scenario where a win is not possible. So let's limit the losses or let's try to turn this loss into a future win. And so you come yeah. to a compromise on those five tasks or, or whatever the case may be, you kill them with kindness and you kill them with service and everything else, and you make it to where you're walking away from it. And he knows that the, the customer knows 
that you didn't have to do what you did, but you did it because it was right. Well, now how many people is this guy going to go bragging to, to, to other people about you? Like yeah. he's, he's going to tell everybody about the experience that he had with you. So right. you could turn that loss into future wins uh, just by trying to, you know, navigate the situation smoothly. So, right. Um, just you because it. you're losing doesn't mean that you need to like <laughs> throw in the towel. What's Dan that, looked what's at that me awesome? Shoot me. Well, Poor awesome. Well, you did that with um, the uh, this, the two ladies in Grain Valley, where yeah. basically it was a, re- a repeated loss, or was a loss where basically you just capitalize on. It. And so rather than being like I'm gonna send someone else out there, I'm gonna go there, spend extra time. And just wrap it up and just yeah. take take the L. Yeah, yeah. We we had a shower valve that we rebuilt and the rebuilt failed and like we told them like you really need to consider replacing it. Well, the replacement is not really an option in their eyes. And so I went back out myself and rebuilt the valve again and spent some extra time with them, gave them some extra pointers, and and really set the expectations for the fact that even this rebuild might not hold because your valve's just a junky valve, just wore out. And old. so. You know, but, but, you know, rather than sending one of our plumbers back out and then the customer calling in two or three weeks later saying the valve is still loose and not shutting off all the way and everything else, I went out, spent the extra time. It's preemptive damage control. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like just nip it in the bud. Yeah. We were lost, right? We, we lost on that one, but I was able to limit it to just that one visit by spending some extra time. Sorry to cut you off, man. Yeah. Yeah, You're fine. (laughs) Don't give me that look. Austin, what the hell? (laughs) (laughs) No. Um, what else you want to talk about? Topic two, where do you get your drive? So Mm. what do you mean by that? Like, where do I get my drive to keep going when things are bullshit? Or do you mean, where do I get my drive to try to be next level? Where do you get your drive to excel in anything? And so uh, this this is kind of from a Facebook post that I made today, but um, it's got some real stuff in it that I've kind of gathered over the last week. So I'm going to read this Facebook post here. Okay. Um, can there be significant inspiration without significant trauma? Where do you find the inspiration when you don't have to overcome sexual abuse, drug addiction, prison time, death, or any other significant traumatic experience? It seems that some of the greatest leaders, some of the best disruptors, and the most accomplished people in the world have used their past significant trauma as inspiration to get where they are. And these people are indeed an inspiration, no questions asked. But... Where is the inspiration for a person who had a normal childhood? Inspiration for a person who had two parents and a great mother and an amazing father and whose parents are still married 45 years later. Where's the inspiration for a person who's never had to overcome uh, a drug addiction, let alone used an illegal drug? Um, Um... Where's the inspiration for the person who waited until marriage to choose to have children and was never dealt the single parent hand uh, at cards? Um, You know, I think a lot of truly amazing people are leaving their goals held short and handicapping their outcomes simply because they lack the inspiration that comes from some of these prior traumas. Um, You know, because they lack these past traumas, they also lack the inspiration needed to do amazing things. And it was a great conversation starter for Facebook anyway, but it's, it's really real. Like, you get in any group of people and some of the major, most accomplished people that you see have had to overcome some serious 
hurdles to get there. We talked about it in like the first episode of this show about how immigrants in America or people immigrating to America oftentimes find themselves more successful than people who have lived here their whole lives. And it's because they had to overcome so much more adversity just to get here that they, they placed more on the line. They had more at stake. And so they, they wanted their outcome to be larger. Um, and, and, you know, some people may see me post that and consider that maybe I'm lacking in inspiration. Like I'm asking like, how do I get inspired when I don't have all this? And that's definitely not the case at all. It's more or less just a conversation starter for, you know, okay, it's easy to see some guy get out of prison and come out and turn his life around or some guy overcome a drug addiction and turn his life around or, you know, somebody have a single parent and have to raise, you know, kids by themselves or whatever else. And then they, they come out to great things. But I, I think there are a lot of, let's say middle-class people or people that grew up in the middle class that are fizzling out to nothing because they didn't have a lot of that prior trauma that they had to overcome. I think that you've got me in deep thought over here. Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't know what the answer to that is. Like normally when you have stuff that you bring up to me, I like immediately, I'm like, okay, this is my answer. Right. I'm not hundred percent sure. Like we've talked enough and you probably know this. Um, like I struggle with that all the time. Right. Like, and I came from not like a super rough childhood or anything, but like it wasn't normal. It was a little messed up. And, you know, I had my, you know, flaws that inspired me to, you know, do great things. And then I've asked you personally, I think a couple of times, like, where do I get my inspiration now that I've, you know, actually done something like, where do I, how do I keep going? I have no idea. Yeah. Like what the answer is, you know, I, I mean, personally for me, um, you know, I have a nine year old daughter Mm -hmm. and she's like, really the reason that I try to be a good example and try to be on top of everything, whether it be work or, you know, how I interact with her or the money we make or, you know, the home we have. Mm-hmm. Like I, tr- I, I need to be the example of, Hey, this is the threshold. Yeah. And you know, when she's dragging or, you know, whatever, or we're talking about serious stuff. I'm like, babe, how do you think we have this stuff? Right. Like, how do you, you know, you go to your little friend's house and they have nothing. How do you think we are here? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, it's hard work and it's dedication. And that's, that's how we get there. Like, that's what keeps me at the level I'm at. And it is still a struggle for me, like almost daily. Yeah. Like I have to keep reminding myself, you know, this is, I'm doing this now for, the next generations. Right. I'm doing this now for my grandkids later, you know, if I get to have any, or, you know, I'm doing this so that I can buy my wife a 68 Camaro for Christmas <laughs> and she can, you know, love it. You, you know, I'm doing things for other people, right. not for myself. But if I was like, if we didn't have her and it was just Janine and I, I mean, it'd be a whole other sh- story. Like what is my, what's driving me? Right. You know? Right. That's a great question. Well, I, I mean, I think I, I, the reason I'm thinking great about question. stuff like that is because 
like we go into a lot of customers' homes, and so we get to see personalities of all varieties, right? We get yeah. to we get to go into customers' homes of uber successful people that are really driven and really disciplined, and they're very exacting with their time and their expectations. And then we go into other people's homes that are just flat lazy, and they don't care when you show up. They don't care if you fix it or not. They don't really care what it costs. They're just kind of, you know, riding life for whatever it is. And and it's just such a wide range of people that it just kind of makes you wonder, like, where does where does everybody get their drive to excel from? And and I guess maybe the the basis of the question is like, the where is the cause for the lack of drive in people uh, that that aren't doing much? You know, and I think I think a lot of it is born into people, and it's. You know, it's like a it's a real cop out answer. But mm-hmm. like my brother and I are basically from the same upbringing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But my brother, he gives no shits about anything. Yeah. Like, and, and I don't say that to be like I'm not. No, he's just laid back. I'm not downing him or anything because sometimes I wish I was more like him. Yeah. Like nothing, but he does not need a boat. He does not need a car. He does not need a home. He rents from me. Mm-hmm. He. But you know what? He owes no man nothing. He's completely relaxed all the time. Wait, let's see if Dave still says that when Joe misses his rent payment next month. He, <laughs> he owes no man nothing except my rent. There, well, there's no debt. Like he doesn't right. have a mortgage. You right. know, has doesn't doesn't have car payments. Doesn't have, and he's completely relaxed all the time and having a good time. Yeah, you know what I mean. So like, part of me is like, man, maybe I should have like been down. But it makes me wonder, you know, is that just kind of born into you yeah is it nature versus nurture you know i mean it i think part of it has to be right yeah well i mean that's that's where it's like a whole nother topic but i think i I mean i think that's a lot of it that's where personal choice comes in like you could have two people that are you know brothers or sisters or whatever same parents same upbringing same same household environment but they turn out two totally different people because of their level of ambition and their level of drive you know, yeah, one, was that, that's my point. Was that from an uncle? One uh, one kid's like an uncle on the mom's side and one kid's like an uncle on the dad's side? Is it because they took, we talk about this all the time, being able to step outside of who you are and look at yourself and say, what do I want to be? Right. And then making the decision, I'm going to be successful. Yeah. Or I'm just going to, I'm fine with being who I am. I think ultimately it comes down to the fact that inspiration is a choice. You choose to be inspired by things or you choose to not be inspired by things. So like you you could have two brothers grow up. Dad's a drunk. One of those brothers grows up to be a drunk because dad was a drunk. The other brother grows up and never touches a sip of alcohol in his life because dad was a drunk. Yeah. Same exact scenario, same exact yeah. upbringing, but they chose to let it inspire them in different ways. Did they choose, or did it just inspire them in different ways? This is if we could do this could yeah. be a super deep topic. Yeah, that, I'm I mean, not trying to, but I mean, I can see. What's hard for me is I can see both sides of that coin mm-hmm. being the correct side. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can see both of those. It's just it's very difficult. The real challenge and the real success stories, whether you come from a bad place or a good place or whatever, and to be honest, I think it it's not as quote-unquote inspirational, 
But if you come from a successful family and then you continue to be successful, even though they didn't give you anything, like you just literally said, no, I'm going to mm-hmm. keep going. You know, yep. it's easy. It's easier for people to be lazy than it is for people to stay driven when they have things. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I can see how coming from a successful family and continuing to be successful on your own, not being in a family business as being greater than someone coming from poverty and saying, okay, I'm going to, I'm done with this. I'm going to be great. Right. You know what I mean? I'm not saying one way or the other, but I can see, you know, both sides of it. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know if there is a right answer. I I will say this and, and I might, catch some shade for this but that's fine catch some shade there there are times trying trying to be cool man (laughs) there there are times where i do somewhat get mildly jealous of somebody who has some of that past trauma to use as inspiration because it it kind of it kind of helps channel why and where you want to be like like let's say a drug addict who's overcome addiction and he never he will never ever like he's seen rock bottom he will never allow himself to be there again and he uses that to light a fire under his ass every single day because he knows what the other side of the coin looks like right yeah i don't have that fire i don't have that like i've never seen that side of the coin i've never been at rock bottom so to speak right um or or guys that grew up like literally dirt floor poor right and then somehow they they make it up through the ranks well they've seen dirt floor poor i've i've never seen that i grew up in a middle class home and we never went without a meal or you know anything like that so you know having that there is an element of curiosity to to people that have that level of inspiration because they've seen it firsthand for how bad it can be. They've lived it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, like I say, that's not like some way to humble brag that I'm grown up in middle-class family or, or or anything like that. I can just, just makes a point. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a great tool to use to, to inspire yourself and to keep you driven. So I think for me, it's not jealousy. I, I think for me, it's like pride. Because it's like you grew up with people that they made the opposite choices of you. They either got on drugs, they had kids before they're married or a kid before they're married. And now they're your age and they're affecting policy decisions and voting a certain way. And you're just like, okay, because you screwed up. Now that's your your whole theory of voting for higher taxes and abortion on demand, all that sort of stuff is because you couldn't control yourself and stay out of drugs or stay out of your boyfriend's house, you know, right. now it's affecting my life. And so that's where pride comes in and so, you have to be careful. Yeah. But, so, so you're saying that like the, the, it's, it's people will typically vote for what's going to make their life better or easier. And because of two different people's paths in life, you know, one person may vote for certain policies that make, staying at home without a job and raising a bunch of kids from a bunch of different dads and all of that stuff is easier. So it's, it's almost like enabling those people. Whereas mm-hmm. the people that have not had to do that or, or chose yeah. not to do that, they're all, they're going to be voting for what makes their life easier. And that's usually against those policies. Well, I think he's talking about pride as in 
I'm proud that I didn't make those bad decisions. Well, so I'm going to keep moving forward and keep doing great yeah. like I want to you know, be doing. Right. I'm just going to take that as a personal level of pride that I'm going to you know, make the right decisions and be successful and do all those things instead of falling to the wayside of, yeah, I've already well, screwed up. I'm just going to, yeah. Right. I was kind of, I was kind of meaning it the other way too. Like pride, I think how pride can seep in is like people think, Oh, pride just means you think you're better than everybody. No pride could be just being like, you feel like everyone's watching you or pride can seep in through a thing of like, when you're a kid, oh, 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 if you study and you work hard, you're going to be successful. But what happens is you do those things and you end up having to live under the policies and voting decisions of like someone else who who didn't make the right decisions. And so you're just like, okay, why am I paying higher taxes? Why am I helping fund abortions with my tax money? I'm just like, I did it right. Like there, it, it kind of seems to be like, okay, here's going to be a reward if you study and work hard. But like, nope. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm kind of mean like in a negative way where it's like pride isn't just, oh, I think I'm better. Pride can seep in through other. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're talking about, you know, systemic policy. That That's what drives mm-hmm. you is the ability to affect systemic policy to avoid other people from falling into those kind of traps. Yeah. I'm just, yeah, I'm just thinking, I'm always kind of thinking on a societal level because that's like a common argument with anything is like, well, what are my life decisions? They're not affecting you. Well, like on a personal level, like you doing whatever down the street doesn't, but through time on a societal level, mm-hmm. those things do start to affect. Yeah. Yeah. That makes good sense. That mm-hmm. makes good sense. It's just, it's just an interesting topic to think about. Like where does inspiration come from? Some people seemingly have it easy to, to identify where their inspiration comes from and other people might have to dig a little deeper for it. So, um, topic three. What do you got? When is it the best time to plan for next year? Every day. I mean, really? Like, I always think of things, not just business, but I try to think of, like, life events yep. also. I'm always thinking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to contradict myself in what I say, but I'm always thinking, okay, next year, I want this to happen. Mm-hmm. I want this to happen, and I want this to happen, and I want this to happen. And I will do whatever I can until that point to try to make those things happen. Right. Right? Business life, it it doesn't matter. But then, like, on a small scale, I try to think of whatever I'm going to do now is going to affect later. Whether it hurts or helps those year-later goals, I'm not too worried about. I mean, it, it's a complete contradiction. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I have to do what's best for now, but I want to try to do... I want to try to make... I have to make the best decision for now, but I also want it to help down the road. Right. And if, if the deci- decision I make now hurts me down the road, but helps me now, I'm going to take the help me now thing. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't try to think of, okay, on January 2, I'm going to have... $40,000 left over from the year before. I'm going to, you know, get this truck and I'm going to, you know, pay these bills and I'm going to buy this rental house and I'm going to, I don't, I don't 
try to micromanage those long-term goals. Right. I try to micromanage the short-term goals and then have those long-term goals just in the back of my mind always working. Right. You know, it is this going to be is this going to help me get there? Maybe. Yep. Maybe not. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. no it does. So I I'm kind of similar. I have two ways that I plan for next year. Um, one is I put next year's plans in place. I, I start building like the, the whole year for next year. I start building that in October. Um, you know, a lot of people wait until like after Christmas and they're like, Oh, what do we want to do next year? Yeah. Well, it's kind of too late because I mean, next year is like in five days. So you, yeah. And I've heard, it's kind of hard to be like hit the ground running, mm-hmm. you know? I, and I've heard of guys that will do that try to do six months. So they'll they'll take January one and then six months from January one, they want to do this. Mm -hmm. And when they get through six months of the year, they're thinking of, okay, at the beginning of next year, I want to be here. Yep. You know, they're not thinking a year from now, you know, in May or June, they're thinking, trying to think of it in, you know, six months increments. And I know lots of guys try to do quarters, you know, okay, the first quarter we're going to do this. And then the next quarter we got to do this. I think that that kind of, puts too much of a timeline on you for trying to cram goals into a space. Right. You know, because we've talked about it on the show a lot, you know, just because your numbers in the first quarter were down, doesn't mean that at six months from January one, they're not going to be back up right to where they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think people worry about numbers too much and they should be more worried about, long-term goals and bigger increments. Yeah. Especially as far as business goes, hey, you know, if we get to this point six months from now and we're here and we had to go through, you could have gone through six bad times and still got there. Yep. You know, that's still a plus. You're still reaching your goal. Yeah. I think, unfortunately, I think there's a lot of people that, you know, there's a lot of people that say, I can't plan out in a year. I can only plan out a couple months at a time. And the people that say that, I, I have a scary feeling that a majority of those people are just lazy. They they don't want to plan out a year. They don't want to put the they don't they don't want to envision about where they want to be next year and then work the problem backwards to put a plan in place to actually achieve it. So what they think is they're just going to work as hard as they can every day, and where they end up is where they end up. And, and so, and that can, that can work. That works yeah. for me. It's kind like of, it's my general, well, like for me, I'm like, I generally like, I was like by 30, I want to be rolling, like shooting videos. Like that's my thing. And like I was 29, right. I got a job as a videographer. So that's, it works as long as you're putting discipline behind it. If you're just saying, Oh, well one day, but for me, I was like, well, I'm going to try to get as good as I can. And I'm going to work towards that direction. And by 30, so but what about 31? Oh fuck! Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, and I, I I agree with you about people being lazy. I don't think Austin's lazy by no. any means, but I I also think that that's a learned task, a learned mindset, a behavior, a learned behavior. Yeah, you can't. I I mean, until someone comes to you and says, or you hear, hey, you can plan out in advance, mm-hmm. and just because you don't think that, I think what gets a lot of people is, well, if I you know, plan six months out and I work so hard to get there and then I get there and I didn't reach my goal, you know, I've I've not met my goal and that's the end of the world. Right. Or, you know, I've wasted all that time. No, you worked hard to get there. Mm-hmm. Look, failure 
failure on a personal goal level or personal business level doesn't necessarily mean business failure. Yeah. You know, and I think people get caught up and they, you know, they think, okay, if I do all this stuff and I don't get there, I will have failed. So they're almost afraid to have those bigger goals. Yeah. You know, well, just if you worked that hard and you got to 99 instead of 100, you didn't fail. And you're going no. better than if you hadn't made a plan. Yeah, you you were really close. I, you know, I, you you were working that to get to something, and that is, I, I mean, that's more than a ton of people do. Yeah, your business can be wildly successful even though you failed to meet your goal, right? Right. Like, like let's say, I'm just going to use hypothetical numbers. Let's say a business does $1 million this year, and next year they want to do $2 million. Well, yeah. get, like that's the goal is two million, right? You can still have a wildly successful business that did one point five million. Yeah. yeah, you fell way short on your goal, but your business was still a success, right? Um, the uh, I, I got to listen to a guy speak that is in the uh, business of buying and selling large companies, and uh, he said that his last nine deals that he did, he sold these companies all sold for over $50 million. And yeah, now he's just the broker. He's the guy who handles the buying and selling of them. He's not selling these businesses. Mm. He's like the agent that's selling the businesses, right? Um, He said all of his last nine that sold for over 50 million, they all had five to six catastrophic failures in the business and they still sold for over 50 million. They all had five to six problems within the business that were major problems. They could sink the business if not managed properly, but yet their business still sold for $50 million. So the, what you glean from that is there is nobody's business out there that is perfect. There's, there's nine people right now that's walking to the bank with over $50 million that had catastrophic failures within their business and they weren't allowing that to hold them back on pushing other goals. So that's why it's good to have multiple goals. Set five or six goals for five or six different areas because if that way if one starts slipping, you've got the others to fall back on. And, you know, a lot of that is what we haven't brought it up in a few episodes, but that's that's the mindset, right? Yeah. That's, that's the mindset that you have to come up with mm-hmm. personally to drive you. Yeah. You know, yeah. banking off the first, the second topic if you don't have that mindset of nothing is going to stop me i don't give a shit what happens i'm going to keep going forward mm-hmm. and try to get to my goals that i've set yep nothing can stop you right I and mean, right. we talk about it all the time on the show we haven't talked about it lately but if you've listened to the show for the first 50 episodes you know we talked about it all the time people were sending in messages stop talking about mindset look you have to have that killer mindset yeah. to keep going. Yep. I mean, professional athletes have it. Yeah. You know, Tom Brady, king of the douches, has it. <laughs> he keeps going. Yep. His wife told him, you either quit the NFL or I'm divorcing you. He gave her the finger. <laughs> they got divorced. He won like the next three games. Yep. You know, I, is he going to win another Super Bowl? I have no idea. I doubt it. I hope not. I hate the guy. I'm tired of freaking talking <laughs> about him. I'm talking about him on my, my podcast and I hate his guts. But he has that mindset of right. no matter what happens, I'm going to keep going. Yeah. You know? So so I go, like, whenever it comes time for me to plan for the year, I, I, I do one, like, overall annual planning in October. Um, and then every month of the year, 
I look at where I want to be one month from now and where I want to be 12 months from now. So I'm kind of doing like a micro annual plan every month, but yeah. it's, it's too faceted. It's, it's where, where do I want to be in a month and what, what things do I have to do to make sure that I'm where I want to be in a month. But then also the, the, where I want to be in a year from now is kind of a peripheral, like it's a floating target. Like where do I really think we can be? Which direction do I think is the best for us to go in? Do we want to grow in profit or do we want to grow in size or do we want to grow both or, you know, whatever the case may and be. And what gets me to that main goal that we were talking about in yeah. October, right. right? Right. Whether it be May and you're talking 12 months from then or yeah. May and one month from then. You know, it's kind of like, this is a little off topic, but it's kind of like the farmer's mindset, right? The farmer always has to be moving towards 12 months from now. Yep. He always has to be moving to six months from now. He yeah. always has to be moving from three months from now. And what that does is dictate his month-to-month basis. Mm-hmm. And then that month-to-month basis breaks down to a week-to-week. Yeah. You know, you have to be thinking, if it's going to rain for the next week and I have to wait for it to dry for another week, do I have to plant literally right after that to get to my six-month goal of having that winter wheat be ready to pop in May. Right. You literally have to be thinking about all of those things all the time, all at once. Right. You know, it seems so ridiculous. Well, how can I be thinking about every week and every month and every year from now all the time? Well, you basically have to just take the blinders off, open your mind up and be like, okay, right. I have to be able to globally think about my year in the next two years at the same exact time I'm thinking about next week. And so where that applies to most of our listeners, uh, if you're listening to this show and you have yet to start your business, um, your business will never get off the ground until you put it on paper when your business will come off the ground. If you're allowing, you know, well, if it happens, it happens. I'll keep kind of working towards it, but I'm not going to make it a goal out of it. Well, then guess what? You're never going to be in business. And you probably shouldn't if that's your mindset. But if you write down on paper, we will be open by this date. And then you start working the plan backwards for how do you get open by that date? What needs to be in place a month before that? What needs to be in place two months before that? Five months before that? And six months before that? And all of that kind of stuff. Well, guess what? Now you have a plan. And now you can start working towards that goal. And big fucking deal. If, if you say you want to open July 1st, and you don't open till August 1st, guess what? You still fucking opened. Right. So it's not a failure that you didn't open by July 1st, right? No, if you, you get to July 1st... You got your timetable a little off. If you got to July 1st and you have seven of the ten things accomplished, you only got three to go. Yeah. Don't yeah. don't fold up and be like, well, I, di- I didn't make my goal. Right. Wait, you worked towards your goal. You're just a little late. Yeah, or or you, you wrongly calculated your time, right? Like one of the greatest things... Yeah. So I used to do a lot of commercial construction plumbing. And there were jobs that would go south, right? They'd be out First of budget off, or out of money. Half of all mm. commercial jobs go, go south, south yeah. and they're always late, and all of them are over budget. Yeah. Every fucking one of them is mm. over budget. And, and so, you know, they were trying to come up with these performance incentives for the plumbers that would, you know, hey, if we get these jobs done early, we're going to share the proceeds with the plumbers, you know, because they helped get us there and all this. Well, when the jobs would go south, it was always this argument. Well, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. It's not my yeah. fault. And And I was looking at it from, like, the management perspective, and I'm like... You know, there's really like, 
like a job can go great because your estimator overbid the job and you landed the job and there was just extra money in it. Yeah. Or a job can go south because your estimator underbid the job and you were fucked from the beginning. Yeah. Right. So yeah. There, there's there's a lot of them where like you never yeah. stood a chance yeah. and you don't know it until you get into it. But um, you know all of those plans still come down to like maybe you got your timetable off maybe the commercial estimator got his estimate a little off right but guess what those jobs still got done the people still got paid yeah the building still got built people are still enjoying that building to this day so it's not a failure because you missed your timetable a little bit but it is a failure if you never actually set the date so um i was i was talking with one listener of the show who was buying a van and they're buying a van, but they don't really have a start date yet for the company. And I was kind of prying into them a little bit more. They're, they're already laying out cash for a van, and they're not thinking about starting their company for like six more months. And I'm like, holy cow, you're going to have six months of vehicle expenses before you ever even start the company. Like, well, Were they rent, buying it with a loan or cash? I don't know. I don't, I don't know on well, that. It's not, ex- it's not really an expense monthly expense if they're paying cash just maybe side question that's but, all but i mean you know like when we started our company i started out with one van uh i took delivery of that van two weeks before we opened our doors and i had two weeks to get it shelved get it stocked and get it stickered well that's probably too late it, it was it might have been a little short okay. that's a, that's that's two weeks too late might might have been a little short don't say a little short but you fucked up <laughs> I mean, I made it happen, right? And you I'm not, and I'm not complaining about, you know, I didn't have enough time to get it done or anything else. Like, I made it happen, but I didn't buy my van and then think, ah, oh, in another six months, I'm gonna have a company. Like, no, like did this. Yeah. You you got to put timetables on it and realistic timetables. And yeah, you might be off a little bit, but you'll still get there. Right. So, um, Love that it. that about wraps it up for this Love show. Love it, man. So, uh, guys, if this show brought you value, uh, if it made you think of things in a different light, if it lit a fire under your ass, uh, do us a favor <laughs> and help share this show with somebody else who might also be wanting to start their own company. So um, we don't pay to uh, advertise this show out there or anything like that. So um, the only people that hear about this show are the people that share that have, have been shared the show. So please do us a favor and help contribute by getting our message out there. So we would really, really appreciate it. Until next time, guys, we will see you later. That's it. Peace.